How can advisors achieve success by getting back to basics in a more complex post-PPACA environment? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is sponsored by Care One Advocates. Navigating healthcare is complex. Care One Advocates provides personalized healthcare support to employers and their employees in an on-demand, 24-7, 365 environment. To learn more about how Care One creates white-labeled broker solutions that help you build your brand, go to our website at shiftshapersonline.com. Hey, Shift Shapers. Before we begin our interview with my friend and top insurance producer, Nelson Griswold, I wanted to make you aware of an amazing free offer that Nelson has kindly made available exclusively to Shift Shapers listeners. Here's the story. 29 years ago, Nelson was traveling in Europe and found himself in a smoke-filled bar in Amsterdam where he met a gentleman who just happened to be one of the top salesmen in Europe. The two men quickly struck up a conversation, and using a bar napkin, of course, the salesman showed Nelson one single selling strategy that literally turned Nelson's style of selling on its head and allowed him to become a top producer in no time flat. And Nelson has agreed to share this same strategy with you, our Shift Shapers listeners, for free. It's called the Sales Triangle. He'll give you a PDF document that reveals the secret method as well as access to a webinar just for you where he breaks down the entire concept into practical, usable, step-by-step process. Here are some of the things you'll learn. Of course, you'll discover the one strategy that can eliminate objections and rejection. You'll learn the story of the auto parts salesman's amazing 100% close ratio. Nelson will tell you why you should never show up and throw up. You'll also learn the one reason closing is such a chore and usually a failure. And of course, you'll find out how the secret of the sales triangle turns your selling on its head. There are two ways to access this free information and webinar. First, you can go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash sales triangle. Or you can simply go to our website, www.shiftshapersonline.com, and click on Nelson's logo in the upper right-hand corner of our screen. When you register for the upcoming webinar, you'll instantly get access to the Sales Triangle PDF cheat sheet as well. Again, two ways to access it. The link is www.tinyurl.com forward slash sales triangle, or go to shiftshapersonline.com and click on Nelson's logo. Today, we're pleased to be speaking with Nelson Griswold. Nelson is the author of the industry bestseller, Do or Die. Um, He's a thought leader, and he's also, for our purposes today in our discussion, an authority on consultative selling. Nelson, welcome to Shift Shapers. David, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're looking forward to a really interesting discussion about all things selling. And maybe a good jumping off point is the shift that PPACA brought has brought an awful lot of complexity to benefit advisors' lives. And yet, what you advise those folks is to try to get into a less is more kind of a mindset. 
What does that mean? What, what is that all about? What's happened with ACA and why do we need to be wary of that? Well, ACA is both a reality and a massive distraction. The agencies that I consult with as, as a growth consultant, the good ones have run off and gotten certified on ACA. And, and that's good. They should. They need to understand what the law means, the implications for their clients, the implications for them uh, as advisors to their clients. And they also need to understand the dangers and threats it poses for their clients. All good. But ACA, by definition, it's a federal law, is very complex. The regulatory structure that has been built around the enabling legislation is extremely complex and complicated. But it's, that's a massive distraction when an agency owner or a benefits professional looks at that and thinks that's the industry and that's their business. That's not their business. That is a, a reality they have to deal with, but their business isn't complex. What this industry does is at the end of the day, it's a sales organization. A benefits firm at the end of the day is a sales organization. It also better be marketing, telling its prospects and its clients what its value proposition is, what it does for them, how it brings value to them. And it better be, a benefits agency better be managing its business uh, because the margin for error as Top line revenues have become harder to get and bottom line revenues have become much harder to, to generate. The margin for error is so much less and, and agency expenses haven't, haven't gone down, but revenues have. So they better be managing those expenses and managing their business. The simplicity comes in getting back to basics. So yes, ACA is complex, but Benefits agencies are based on basic functions, selling, marketing, managing. So we're talking about selling today, which unfortunately most benefit producers and most agency owners really don't spend a lot of time talking about selling. Ever, ever since uh, the industry was flooded with all of these well-trained sales professionals from Prudential and MetLife and New York Life and all of these other insurance companies that had these very rigorous, extensive five-week training programs, sales managers to nurture and, and, and manage these sales professionals. Ever since they flooded the uh, industry as, and became agents and brokers, and then the, <laughs> the insurance company said, well, they're doing such a great job. Why don't we just let them do it? We'll pay them a commission. We'll get rid of our field force. Well, of course, the problem is the training stopped. And agencies don't train on sales very much. So getting, getting back to basics with selling means, David, focusing on what selling really is and how you do it effectively to bring value to the client and help them make a good buying decision. With all of the complexity that you just talked about that ACA has brought and these omnibus kind of training classes, a lot of people have been driven to believe that selling is about logic and facts. And they, they tend to do the show up and throw up thing with prospects and clients. Is it about logic and facts? Do they matter? Logics and fact absolutely matter. 
They are the justification a client uses to make a buying decision. So I'm out on the lot at the auto dealership. Now I'm 55 years old. I have a little gray hair. I actually have a lot of gray hair. But I'm very youthful of spirit, as, as are you, David. We had a conversation about this previously. We're both young at heart, even if our chronological age isn't 24. And I see a car on the lot that is red, it is convertible, and it is sporty. Now, if I buy that car, it's not because of any logical reason. It's a two-seater. It goes way too fast. It will attract police attention because it's red in a sports car. And it doesn't meet any of my practical needs in my life. Practical needs. But I'm going to buy that because I think it's going to make me feel younger. It's going to make me look younger. It's going to make me look better. Because I want, I want all that. I want that emotional gratification. When I get home, I'm going to tell my wife, honey, you're not going to believe what I just bought. Well, no, she's not. <laughs> honey, this car is, look how small it is. It's going to take up so much less space in the garage. We're going to have a lot more room in the garage to store things. And oh, honey, parallel parking is a breeze. And by the way, did I mention how great the fuel mileage is? Now, those are all logical reasons for buying this car. None of them are really why I bought the car. Bought it for an emotional reason. Well, our clients, our customers, they buy for emotional reasons too. Okay, you have been in sales, I have been in sales, and we're both really still in sales. Everybody really is in sales. I have had the same experience that you have had where we have made a perfectly powerful presentation to a client for a problem they've acknowledged they have. We've shown them a solution that solves every aspect of their problem. It's within their budget. They should say yes immediately. They even agree it's the perfect solution for this problem they agree they want to solve, and yet they don't buy. Frustrated the heck out of me when I first got into sales. I'm a very logical guy. I'm a very com- I can be a very compelling presenter, David, and, and they wouldn't buy. It was because I was selling on logic. I was selling on the rationale of solving the problem instead of engaging their emotions and letting them buy the solution because they were emotionally engaged and emotionally invested in solving this problem, and I had the solution. Logic and reasoning is essential. If you don't give them that, then they don't have anything to hang their emotional decision on. They need a hook to hang that emotional decision on to be able to rationalize and justify it. But at the end of the day, we all buy out of emotion. And now a word from our sponsor, Care One Advocates. A recent survey revealed that brokers spend just 38% of their time selling. How much more productive could you be if you had a partner who was always available when clients called your office asking questions about their plan? And what if that partner provided a more in-depth level of service? How is that possible? Care One's Broker Advantage is a coordinated resource for your healthcare clients and their employees. When they have a question, anything, from what is a deductible and how does it work, or finding the right doctor, to complex pharmacy and medical issues, scheduling appointments, and even help with record transfers, Care One answers the call with your agency name and provides all the information with down-home, friendly service. 
Care One Advocates is committed to helping you to build your brand while increasing the value you bring to your clients. Care One does the work, and you get the credit. To learn more about Care One's range of services and how you can generate a better customer experience, improved outcomes, and spend more time selling, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. Let's dial back a little bit and or maybe dial in and talk a little bit about a skill set. Stephen Covey said we listen to respond, not to understand. How important is listening and how lacking is it as as you counsel salespeople? How lacking do you find it in the process today? Well, it is largely absent. Because in order to listen, you must first ask a question. And most salespeople don't ask a question other than, how you doing? (laughs) Great, having a good day? Good. And then they are off to to do, as, as you so colorfully described it, show up and throw up. It's a product puke. And the reason it's a product puke is because the broker, the advisor, the consultant, whatever we call ourselves in the business today, and it shouldn't be a broker, frankly, because it's a transactional role and lost a lot of its value. But whatever you call yourself, when you're sitting in front of that client, if you don't know what problem they have, if you don't know what need they have, then how can you offer them the solution? We can't. So you offer them every solution you have. By the way, products, services aren't products and services. They're solutions. Why would anyone buy a product or a service? Nobody buys an insurance policy because they want that piece of paper that they can put in their lockbox. They buy an insurance policy because they're buying security, peace of mind, uh, the ability to sleep at night. Right, so they're they're not buying a product; they're buying a solution. They're worried what would happen if they died prematurely, and you know their family couldn't stay in the house or whatever. The solution is a life insurance policy. So people don't buy products and services; they buy solutions. So you've got these solutions that you're presenting to the client, but which one? Well, I don't know. So I'm going to throw them all out there. I'm going to just throw them all on the wall and see if any of them applies. If the client wants any one of them, and now I've got to spend. So much time closing, 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 trying to get the client to buy something so I can make some money and pay some bills and put shoes on the kids, et cetera. The problem is if, well, there's a, there's a great saying, whoever is asking the questions controls the conversation. Now, the sort of the, you know, the common sense or intuitive thought is, well, no, if I'm talking, if I've got the floor, if you think of parliamentary debates in politics, whoever controls the microphone, whoever controls the floor is in charge. Well, maybe in the House of Commons or on the floor of the U.S. Congress. But in a sales situation, the person who is asking the questions controls the conversation because once you've asked the question, the other person probably is going to respond to your question, thus giving you information that you need and want. Here's the challenge, though. A lot of sales professionals who think they listen, David, don't, or they don't listen the right way. So what's the right way to listen? You have to listen to your client, answer your question without an agenda. You've got to have no agenda. You can't be judgmental. Man, they are just really making a lot of bad mistakes. They're really stupid people. You can't be judgmental. Everybody has to follow their own path and everybody gets to make their own mistakes. Can't be judgmental. 
uh, and you cannot be listening for an answer, a word, a statement that you can pounce on to try to make your sale. You just got to listen. Here's the wonderful, oh, just wonderful part of this, David. If you ask the right questions, the client will tell you what they need. And then you simply help them want, want it more. You kind of stir up their, their pain around that problem, make them you know, sort of marinate in the misery of that problem so that they are really ready for a solution. They're dying for a solution. They're desperate for a solution. And then you say, what if I could show you a way that that problem would go away? But you've got to listen to them. Okay, let me simplify. We're talking about back to basics. One of the best sales trainer in, in the history of the business summed it up this way. If you want to succeed in sales, find a need and fill it. That's it. Find a need and fill it. But to find that need, you've got to ask the questions and then you must listen. And you must listen with no agenda, with no judgment, with no looking for that, that hook you can hang your sail on. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And we're talking a lot about simplification in the process. And, and with that background, we see lots of programs that are, you know, 13 or 14 steps to sales success. Really, are there 13 or 14 steps to sales success? And do advisors need that? Or, or do they and consequently their clients need something that's more focused? Are there 13, 14 steps the great Napoleon Hill, who wrote the one of the probably the the seminal success strategy publication guide, Think and Grow Rich, had thirteen principles, and people have struggled since he wrote that in in the thirties during the published it in the thirties um, during the depression. People have struggled to implement all thirteen of those principles. Here's, a, here's an example, David, right out of our own industry. A carrier, a leading carrier, retained some consultants, hired some consultants to come in and put together a sales program for them, for their sales professionals. And these consultants were really good. I mean, they knew what, they did a lot of interviewing of top producers within the company, and they brought in best practices, both from, from the field, but also from best practices from uh, sales strategy, and they put it all together, and they, they came up with this program. The company spent over $2 million on the program. Not unreasonable to get the results they wanted, but unfortunately for them, for the carrier, the product that was produced, the end result from these consultants, was a binder about three inches thick, two to three inches thick. There were 14 steps, and those 14 steps were broken down further into five or six or seven steps within the step. Now, was it good information? Was it all? Yes, it was very well thought out, and you could look and say, yes, that makes perfect sense. If you do that, you're going to have better results. The problem is nobody is going to do 14 steps. It needs to be boiled down, and some of them that you just... Maybe that's um, graduate school, right? So you've got to go through and get your bachelor's degree first, and then you can take advanced training and pick up some of the more nuanced approaches. The reality is, if you say 14 steps to anything, 14 
steps to success in any area. Most of you, I can't do 14 steps. I don't have time for 14 steps. But if it's three steps or five steps, people can, that's consumable, that's bite size. And people are willing to do that. And the fact of the matter is the best sales professionals can boil it down. I've taken consultative selling and created an industry-specific version of consultative selling called advisory selling so that you you become an advisor to your client. There are four steps, four steps to advisory selling. Pretty simple. Is there a lot of content? Well, sure there is, but it's got to be distilled and boiled down or people won't do it. And if you would share with our audience the four steps, just if you just name them off, we don't have time to go into depth, unfortunately. The first step is to gain rapport, but it's not what it sounds like. It's not it's not knowing the client's college, where they went to school and the names of their kids and their wife and where they go on vacation, his hobby or her hobby, that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, you'll learn that. And that's fine. It has to do with understanding the professional challenges and goals that your client has, learning what they struggle with day to day, where they're getting pressure maybe from, from their CEO, if it's, let's say it's an HR director, but also understanding the language that your client speaks. So HR doesn't speak insurance, but rarely. You know, a couple of times a year, they have a conversation in that language known as insurance. But most of the time, they speak another language called HR. They speak HR. Most insurance professionals, most benefit professionals don't speak HR. So you've got to learn some of that language so you can understand and have a conversation with them about something other than just insurance. Otherwise, they, you're just the insurance guy and you have no value to me other than the insurance guy. So that developing rapport is first. By the way, that's where you understand where you find out where the needs are. That's the questioning that finds out the problems that you can solve, the pain points that the client loses sleep over, really, really struggles with. That's step one. Step two is once you've identified a pain point that you can solve, you know, my boss is an idiot, maybe a problem your client deals with, but there's nothing much you can do about that. But you find a problem, a pain point, a need that you can solve, fill for the client, a need you can fill, you've got to agitate that pain. Now, this sounds like it's uh, masochistic or sadistic, and, and you're asking the client to just play the masochistic role. It's not sadistic. When you've got a problem that really causes you pain, and you don't have a solution, what do you do with that problem in your brain? You stuff it way back in the back. You don't want to think about that. So, quick example, open enrollment. HR professionals have told me over the years that their least favorite part of the job is open enrollment. It takes up a tremendous amount of time. There's a lot of paper involved, paper applications they have to pull together, get out to the employees, get them back, filled out, et cetera, et cetera. They they really don't like open enrollment. Well, if you are, let's say it's so, I don't know, April or May, and you ask them what the worst part of their job is, and they probably open enrollment. They haven't thought about open enrollment since it ended. They were happy to forget about it and put it behind them. It's like a woman with childbirth, right? And within a, within a couple of years, they've completely forgotten how painful childbirth was. They're ready to have another child. It's because they pushed those memories way back in the back of the brain. Well, clients do the same thing with pain points of theirs. And so HR has pushed open enrollment way back in the back of their brain. So you've got to tease that, those memories out. So why is open enrollment such a problem? Why, why, do you, why do you hate open enrollment so much? And at that point, 
they start to remember why they hate why they hate this problem and they really 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 want it solved. The step three is sort of interim step. It's called conceptual agreement. So you ask the client, if I could solve this problem, would that make your life better? It's you think of it as a trial close, but it's really not a trial close. It's getting them to agree that if you can solve their problem, they're good with that. They that's a that's a very good thing. Step four, you offer them a solution. You simply give them a solution to their problem. Now, you have to do all the qualifying in terms of are they the decision maker? You know, does, does the firm have the budget, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to do all of that. That's just part of selling. But this advisory process, develop that rapport so you can identify their pain points and their needs, then agitate the pain so they really are ready for a solution. By the way, David, that's the emotional part of the process. Stirring up the pain is an emotional experience for them. And now they are emotionally engaged and they're emotionally invested in solving the problem. You get the conceptual agreement so that you're both on the same page. Well, if you can give me a solution, that would be fantastic. And then finally, you just offer them the step towards the easiest in the world. By the way, when you do that the right way, it doesn't always work like this, but often the client will close themselves. I've had it happen. How quickly can we implement that? <laughs> I think it's a buying sign. Just, just how, a subtle one, yeah, but it's a buying yeah, sign. How, how, quickly, how quickly can we get started on this? Can we do this you know, right away? I want that. Yes, I'll take it. Because they are buying a solution. You're not selling them anything. You're simply helping them make a wise buying decision to solve a problem that they really want solved. So that's, I, it, I gave you the four steps in, in an expanded version, but finding the problem, rapport and finding the pain point, agitating the pain point, getting the conceptual agreement, and then giving them a solution. Nelson, that's we've it. gone from the complexities of ACA to a four-step process where the client will even close themselves, and I can't think of a better place to wrap up for today. I want to thank you very much for spending time with the Shift Shapers audience, and we look forward to talking with you again down the road. Thanks, David. It's a lot of fun. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. And remember, you have the power to shape the shifts in your business.